Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I want to go back to Proverbs for a verse to begin. Proverbs chapter 13. A very familiar verse. Chapter 13, verse 24, you will recall it. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. He that spareth the rod spoils the child. Have you not heard that more than one time? I firmly believe that. Discipline is an important part of life. It's an important part of our growing up, but it's also an important part of our spiritual life. Sometimes we don't realize that. It's a necessary element, I believe, for a child to be disciplined as he grows up. I believe that teachers in school need to have the authority to discipline Uh, Of course, there are a few teachers who need to know how to discipline, but nevertheless, the principle is there. Uh, To discipline those who who need it. We need discipline within the church. That used to be something very strong within the church, and it no longer is so much so. We need discipline in the home. But we need discipline in our spiritual growth. And the Lord knows this, and the Lord exercises this authority. He is not afraid to discipline like school teachers are afraid, or some parents are afraid. I have seen parents whose children have been so buffaloed that they couldn't possibly dictate to that child what he was or was not to do. The child was ruling the roost. Generally speaking, a child conceives of discipline as being unwarranted. I can remember when I was growing up, when my father punished me, I always thought he was wrong. Now when I look back on it, I discovered that he was right. And so as I disciplined my children, they likewise said, Dad, you don't know what you're doing, but I knew that I did, for I had had the experience when I was their age. And sometimes when we look at that which the Lord does with us and deals with us, we have a tendency to say, Lord, you don't understand. You see, my situation is different. But the Lord does understand. He sees the ending from the beginning. He comprehends us through and through. And so we are, in fact, disciplined of God for some purpose, and it's that purpose that I want us to look at this evening. In Psalms 89, you want to turn with me? I cannot avoid reading this particular psalm as the beginning of the things that I want to say. Psalm 89, verses 30 through 33. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, 
If they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then I will visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Now that's the Lord talking about you and me. If we do not walk in his judgments, if we disobey his law, if we break his statutes, if we will not keep his commandments, then the Lord is going to visit our transgression with his rod. Now, I didn't say that. The Lord said it. The Lord disciplines. Let me say a few things about it. First of all, the Lord will discipline us when we disobey him, when we sin, for the purpose of correcting us. If my child disobeys me, my child can expect to be disciplined. They grew up knowing that. They had to learn it, the boy, particularly the hard way. He had to learn that I meant what I said when I said it, and my patience would eventually run out with his disobedience, and then it was your payday. And the rod came out, the willow came out, the paddle came out, or maybe sometimes it was just the hand, but it got to the seat of the problem, if you know what I mean. And suddenly, he had a different outlook on life. He saw the error of his way, I hope. At least he said that he did. David is the Old Testament's greatest sinner. I believe that he would be classified as the worst sinner in the Old Testament. He, I'm going to preach about David in a couple of weeks. He, was, he coveted another man's wife. He had that woman brought to him and committed adultery with her, and in order to cover up his adultery and the pending child, the father of the pending child that was to be born, he had the husband of Bathsheba killed in battle. I mean, that's getting pretty bad. How much lower can you get? And as a result of David's sin, God punished him God will not always punish in this way, and do not infer something here that I don't intend to say, but David lost an infant son as a direct result of his sin. He spent a lifetime in heartache over the rebellion of his boys. He was denied the privilege of building the temple in Jerusalem as a result of his sin. And God disciplined him because of his sin. God will discipline you and me when we sin. All right, that's point number one. Number two, he does this sometimes to prevent us from sinning anymore. I will think twice after my dad has laced my legs with the willow before I will commit that sin the second time. I don't know if you've had the experience or not, and I'm sure that some of you have, and maybe some of you haven't, of experiencing the whip of God upon your life for rebellion, 
to a sin that is committed. And when that sin looms up again in your face, you think the second time, you think twice about doing it again because you don't want the discipline of God on your life for that the second time. It was too rough the first time. God will sometimes discipline us in order to prevent us from committing a sin that we ought not to commit. We sometimes think that God allows sickness to come into our lives. That isn't always true. Sickness is basically the consequences of sin. But sometimes he will permit us to have uh, problems. I'm not saying that all of our illness is a result of our sin, but it's somebody's sin. Had Adam not sinned in the Garden of Eden, there'd been nobody sick today. And that's the consequence I'm talking about. Our illnesses, whatever they might be, are not thrust upon us as individuals, but they are the consequences of things that have happened perhaps for centuries, and we pay for the sins of our fathers. And our children will pay for our sins. You just look in society or maybe even in your own life to discover that your children are or somebody's children will pay for that which you have done in your own body. Just this thing of AIDS that we now hear so much about. The children who are born with that are paying the penalty for their parents' sin. Sometimes these things happen in order that we might realize that we've got to straighten up our act. I know that sometimes businesses fail because God is trying to prevent a worse disaster than business failure. I think God did that definitely to me. I tried to be in business three times and utterly failed three times. I lost a half million dollars on one occasion. When absolutely bottom up. Because I thought I could do it on my own. And whenever we get the attitude that we are capable of doing things on our own and accomplishing things for ourselves, the Lord might say, look, I'm going to have to show you the error of your way because that which you're doing is detracting from service to me. And I felt the whip. For the Lord had called me to preach, not to go into business, and he had to discipline me to get me to see the error of my way. I'm not trying to confess to you. I'm trying to, I've already done all that confessing to the Lord. I am trying to tell you from a personal experience that the Lord will sometimes step in in order to prevent us from committing errors far worse than we've already committed. I remember on one occasion my dad, when I asked him, can I go with so-and-so to such-and-such a place? And he said, no. And I thought to myself, he doesn't understand. I want to have a good time, and we're going to enjoy things. 
Now when I look back upon it, then I wonder why he said, no, I understand. Because I was probably being led into temptation that would have caused me to commit a grave error, a sin against God and mankind, that he stopped by forbidding me to do that which I thought I ought to be capable of doing. God steps in and sometimes puts a roadblock in our way and will prevent us from going the direction we want to go in order that we might not engage in a sin that we don't now see but is looming there just over the horizon for us to commit. Thirdly, the Lord disciplines us in order to educate us. He wants us to depend upon him, not upon ourselves. And we get so high and mighty in our own capabilities to think that we can achieve whatever we want to achieve. We can be whatever we want to be without regard to God. Job learned that he had to trust in God for everything. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. And sometimes the Lord must stop us in our tracks and make us realize that without him, in fact, we can do nothing. And if we cannot comprehend that without the experience, then he may very well put us through the experience to give us an education. Then as we deal with people who have like problems, we can understand because we have been educated in the ways of the Lord. And we can be of assistance to people in the same situation. In the fifth verse, he makes a point that we need to make. He says, you have forgotten. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. Christian people forget. It's so easy to go on down the road and forget that conversion experience. Not remember it anymore. Other things take precedence. Making a living is more important. And people began to neglect God. There is no doubt that this congregation of people who are members of this church have neglected God. I quickly looked over the membership list today to realize that I don't recognize too many names on the list. And why is that? Because I've never seen their face. Do you mean to tell me all the people on the membership rolls of this church are actively serving the Lord Jesus Christ and are not showing up for services in this building? I can't believe that. And not only this church, but you go on down the road to whatever church you want to find, and you will discover that God's people are, have forgotten him in lieu of other things. 
Because of that very fact, God will discipline his people. Now there's some problems with this discipline. In the latter portion of verse 5, he says, Despise not the chastening of the Lord. It's very easy for us to start complaining. Why did the Lord allow all this to happen to me? Because I've been a good boy. I've been faithful. I've come to church. And we can go on and on. I'm a good citizen. There are people who never darken the door of the church that feels like God owes them something. God owes no man anything. We've got to realize that whatever the Lord provides, he does it out of the goodness of his heart because he loves us, not because he owes us. We ought to take seriously the discipline that he gives and not complain about it. Complaining is nothing other than disbelief. I made reference to this morning, and I'll just quote nothing more. Paul said, I have learned in whatever street I am therewith to be content. Paul did not complain about his state of life. He did not question, why, Lord? Why are you doing this to me? Because questioning God implies that one does not believe God. There is no reason to ask mom and dad why, unless you don't believe what was said. It is enough that dad said it. And I must believe it because he is my father. The same thing is true in the spiritual realm. Because God said it, I will believe it, and that's the end of it. And we have no reason to question. If we do not understand, we accept in blind faith that which we cannot comprehend. We will not go around uh, despising the chastisement that the Lord provides us, complaining about our lot, Saying that it's too much for us because this does nothing more than say we really don't believe that God's going to see us through. That's how simple that is. Now he goes on in the latter portion of verse 5 and he hears the word faint. And I'm going to have to hurry here. For some of you do good. From the heat. Faint takes the reference here of not fainting as we normally think of it, but people saying, oh, it's too much, I'm depressed, I'm despondent, I'm going to talk about it. God has not been through to me. This is not the attitude that a Christian ought to take. All right, look at first Peter's. For the Lord... Whom the Lord will he chasteneth. Listen, this is the key to this whole message tonight. The key to this chapter right here. 
I want to say two or three things about this verse that I think are very important, six, seven, and eight together. The Lord, uh, whom the Lord loves, be chasing of. I know that you have said, when you discipline your children, as I have read, it hurt me a whole lot more than it hurt you, and the kids have says you. And when the Lord does the same thing, we probably have the same attitude. A lovely parent, however, does feel the pain of the discipline that he out. A loving parent. A parent I should never punish when they're angry. Wait until they've got a cool so they can do it in love. Not in anger. God does discipline us in anger. He disciplines us in love. Ezekiel 8.32 says, He took no more pleasure in the painful war. Yeah, let me say it over. He takes no more pleasure in the painful discipline of his children than in the death of the unrighteous. What does not delight to us or to discipline us? Well, because this proves that God loves me. Now let me rephrase it, but make an important point of it. If God is disciplining you, you have the guarantee that he loves you. So he only disciplines those whom he loves. Question was asking my son just this morning. How about people who are not Christian having such a great time in life? Listen, God not discipline them, but not his children. God is us because we're his children. You don't discipline somebody else's kids. You discipline your own. Been tempted a few times. If I can resist that temptation, because but it's difficult times to resist disciplining somebody else. Yes, I have a temptation. I'm resisting discipline. My grandchildren, the presence of of others, their job to do that. It's not mine, and I bite sometimes, because I know it's their job to do the discipline of their children, not mine. Now, when they're absent, I, I, I do it. See, I'm, I step in there. Now, this proves that we are the children of God when he disciplines us. The thing it proves in seven. If we endure chastening, God with you as with some. The, the opposite side of the coin is it proves that we are the children of God. 
that proves that we're complete. If you are not disciplined by God, you're not God, child. You better be glad, disciplines. You better thank God for the discipline that He because it proves that you belong. When that whip down from the Lord, your life and mine, we ought to praise. We ought to say thank you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.